Father, we want to thank you for this evening, Lord. Uh, thank you for uh, just the gift to be able to worship you, to be able to sing songs to you, to be able to tell you what's on our hearts, what's on our minds. Father, we are so grateful to be in you. We are so grateful to be in your family. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be your children. And we thank you for what you were willing to go through to make that a reality in our lives. Lord, may we never lose sight of your love, of your grace, and your mercy in our lives. May we always come back to that when we go through tough times, when we go through good times. May we constantly remember how good and how faithful you are to us. And Father, this evening as we turn our attention to your word and we look at some difficult things, Father, I pray that you would please speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Lord, have your way during this time. Change us. Father, we desperately want to go deeper with you. You are so worthy, and we love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do we tell if something is really valuable to us? How do we tell if something has any worth to us? Well, there's a couple ways. One way is by seeing what we're willing to give up in order to get something, right? For example, the iPhone. Uh, so a, a brand new iPhone, you're probably looking at $1,200, $1,400. Now, why would some people pay that money and some people not pay that money? I'll tell you why, because some people are wise and know the iPhone's the best, and some people <laughs> haven't yet. I'm just playing. As you can tell, Pastor Pat has influenced me, for sure. <laughs> No, but seriously, some people see the value in iPhones, and some people don't. And so some people will spend that money, and some people won't spend that money. So we could tell if something's really valuable to us by what we're willing to spend in order to get something. And it works the same exact way with our time, with our energy, with our effort, effort. If something's really valuable to us, we'll be willing to sacrifice in order to get the thing that we want. Another way to tell is by seeing what we're willing to walk through for the sake of something. Now, for example, if someone was to come at me with a gun and say, give me your iPhone, I'm going to give them my iPhone because I am not going to walk through getting shot, going through surgery, going through rehab. I'm not going to go through that for my phone. Now, if someone was to come up to me with a gun and say, give me your wife or I'm going to shoot you, I would give them, I would definitely. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I would get shot. I would definitely get shot. I would get shot. And I would go through all of that. <laughs> Why? Because I see the value in my wife. There's more value in my wife than in my iPhone, for sure. So, wow. We can tell if something is really valuable to us by what we're willing to give up in order to have something and what we're willing to walk through because we do have something. Now, tonight, Jesus is going to ask us, how valuable is he to us? How valuable is his relationship to us? And to do that, he's going to give us a couple parables. Now, a parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story that everyone would understand with a spiritual application. And we're going to look at a couple of parables tonight to see how valuable Jesus really is to us. And we're going to start with verse 44. He says this. This is Jesus speaking. Again, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now in the first parable, we have a man here who just so happens to find some treasure buried in a field. Now this was pretty common back then. They didn't have banks, they didn't have depositories, they didn't have storage units. If you had something valuable that you wanted to hide, you would go and bury it. So this guy finds some treasure, sees the value in the treasure, goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the field so he can have this treasure. Now, some people have a hard time with this parable, and they think, well, this guy's a thief. This guy's doing something immoral. This guy's wrong. First off, I would tell them, it's just a story, so calm down. Secondly, I would tell them, he's not a thief. He went and sold everything he possessed so he could get this treasure. And obviously, the treasure didn't belong to the guy who sold him the field. Because if it did, he would have took the treasure out before he sold the field. So there's nothing weird going on here. The guy found the treasure, he saw the value in the treasure, was willing to sell everything he had so he could possess this treasure. The second parable in verse 45 says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he has found one pearl of a great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, in this parable, we have a merchant. Merchants were people who bought and sold things, and this guy specialized in, in pearls. And he ends up finding the pearl of all pearls. He sees the value, the worth, and the pearl, goes and sells everything else he possesses to buy this one pearl. Now, that's the earthly story. What's the spiritual application to that? Well, in both parables, both guys were willing to get rid of everything they possessed in order to have this treasure. And it's a question for all of us. How valuable is our relationship to Jesus Christ? Are we willing, if God calls us to, to get rid of everything else in our life to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are we willing, if we need to, if God calls us to, to get rid of certain relationships, certain lifestyles, certain ways of thinking, are we willing to part with those things to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because make no doubt about it, that's exactly what Jesus Christ calls us to do. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 14. Jesus put it this way. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be in the family of God, you must, by comparison, hate everyone Else. That doesn't mean you literally need to hate everyone else. What Jesus is getting at here, if it ever comes to the point where it's a choice between them and me, you need to choose me. And he says this, your father, your mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. God forbid, but if it ever came down to it and you needed to make a choice, it was either this relationship or your relationship with Jesus Christ, which one's more valuable to you? Which one's going to go? Now, obviously, there are certain relationships that Jesus would never want us to leave. I'm speaking specifically of marriage. But how valuable is our relationship to Jesus Christ to us? Are we willing, if need be, to part with other relationships that take us further from him? Will we part with those to be with Jesus? And not only that, look, he's not done yet. Look what he says next. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple, verse 27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Do you know what it means to, follow, to take up your cross and follow Jesus? It means to die to yourself. 
Are we willing to lay aside our plans, our desires, our wants? Are we willing to lay those aside to be in relationship with Jesus Christ? How valuable is Jesus to you? Do you want to follow Jesus? That's what Jesus is calling us to be willing to do. And look what he says in verse 33, just to finish it off. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Wow. Wow. That's hardcore. And again, I want all of us to take a, a self-look and ask ourselves, honestly, how valuable is Jesus Christ to us? Because sadly, a lot of people, Jesus isn't that valuable to them. And they prove it because they're not willing to get rid of certain relationships. They're not willing to give up a certain lifestyles. They're not willing to give up a certain worldviews or whatever it might be. They want to treat Jesus like a little add-on to their life. They want to keep those things. They want to keep those relationships. They want to keep those lifestyles, whatever it might be. They want to keep those things, and they just want to add on a little bit of Jesus to the side of those things. But what does Jesus say here? If you want to be my follower, you need to be willing to get rid of everything. What's more valuable to you? And, you know, I really do feel sorry for those people. I feel really bad for them because they think they're okay with Jesus. They think they're okay with Jesus, and they're not. You're not okay. If Jesus doesn't have all of your heart, Jesus doesn't have any of your heart. If Jesus doesn't have all of your life, he doesn't have any of your life. Now listen, we're never going to do this perfectly, but for those of us who do value Jesus, who do want to be with Jesus, when we don't do these things, when we don't put Jesus first, we're going to be brokenhearted over it, and we're going to repent. And more times than not, we are going to choose Jesus. And I feel bad for these people because they're being lied to. They're being lied to, and they're believing the lie. The reason why these people don't want to get rid of those relationships, or those lifestyles, or those worldviews, is because they think they find their identity, their satisfaction, their pleasure. They think they find those things in those other things. And that's a lie. Listen, those things may satisfy you for a season, for a moment, but true, lasting satisfaction is found nowhere else but in Jesus Christ, period. And Jesus is saying this to those people, leave those things behind. Leave those things behind because I have something better for you. I have more for you. Come to me and allow me to truly satisfy you. Find your identity. Find your sense of purpose. Find it in me. I have something better for you. Leave those things behind. How valuable is Jesus Christ to you? Now listen, I want to turn this around for a second. If we could tell how valuable something is to us, by what we're willing to give up in order to possess something, what does this say about how valuable we are to God? What did God give up in order to be in a relationship with us? Everything. Everything. He literally allowed his son to be sacrificed. And what's crazy is so many of us, we look at our lives, we look at our circumstances, and think, you know what? There's no way God could love me. Look at my life. Look what's going on. If God loved me, this wouldn't be happening to me. There's no way. Do you want to know how much God loves you? Do you want to know how much God values you? Don't look at your circumstances. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. That's how much God values you. That's how much God wanted to be in a relationship with you, that he was willing to sacrifice his own son to make it a reality in your life. Now, 
Why is it so important that we know how valuable Jesus is to us? Look at the next parable in verse 47. Jesus says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So back then, when they do commercial fishing, they take a big net, they throw it into the ocean, and they drag it across the ocean, and they catch all kinds of different fish. When the net got full, they'd pull it ashore, and the fishermen would separate the good fish from the bad fish. Now, that's their earthly story. What's the spiritual application? Look at verse 49. So it will be. At the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. At the end of the age, at Judgment Day, God's going to send his angels, and they're going to gather every single person ever born. Me, you, every single human being who's ever walked this earth, they're going to gather, and they're going to separate those who see the value of Jesus from those who don't see the value of Jesus. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ from those who haven't placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are saved from those who aren't saved. And those who aren't saved... Those who don't see the value in Jesus Christ are going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, also known as hell. Now, if you read the book of Matthew, and I encourage you guys to read it, it's so good, you'll notice that the subject of hell comes up an awful lot. It seems like almost every other chapter, if not more, Jesus is bringing up the subject of hell. Now, in the Bible, when something is repeated, it isn't repeated because they're trying to find different things to say, they can't be creative enough. It's repeated because it's important. And Jesus wants all of us to know hell is a real place. Hell is just as real as heaven. And real people that we know, sadly, real people that we love, are headed there. And Jesus wants us to understand that. It is a very real place. But Jesus also wants us to understand it doesn't have to be that way. That is the whole reason why Jesus Christ came to this place, to earth so that he could make a way for us not to go to hell. And if we will place our faith in Jesus Christ, believe that we're sinners, and call out to him and ask him to forgive us of our sins, we will be saved and we will not be headed to this place called hell. Again, how valuable is Jesus to you? That seems pretty valuable to me, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I truly believe most of us in here understand that. I truly believe most of us in here know that. I mean, after all, we're in church on Thursday night, and U of A is playing right now in, in, in the March Madness. So I get it. We really, most of us in here love Jesus. So what do we do with that information? What do we do with the information that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall be saved? What do we do with that information? Well, look at the next story. Look at verse 51. Jesus said this, have you understood all these things? Speaking to his disciples. And they said, yes, Lord. So Jesus asked them, do you guys understand all that, that we're talking about? Now, he's not just talking about the stuff that we're talking about tonight. He's talking about all of chapter 13. And I'd encourage you guys for homework, go read chapter 13. It is so good. It's long, but it's so good, and there's so much in there. Jesus talks about uh, why different people receive the same message differently, how we need to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. He talks about the, the purpose of the church, what the church is called to do, what the church is not called to do. There's so much in chapter 13, and all the stuff we're talking, talking about right now. 
So Jesus looked at his disciples and said, hey guys, do you understand all these things? And they said, yes. Now, I gotta be honest. I don't know if they really did understand them all or not. I think they're a lot like men today. What is it about us men where we will never admit where we don't understand something? Like, you could be sitting here and you could be explaining something to me, and I'll have no idea what you're talking about. And you'll get done and say, do you understand? I'll be like, oh yeah, of course, got it. Why do we do that? Either way, these guys say, yes, Lord, we do understand. And then look what Jesus says next. Verse 52. He said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and things old. Jesus says, do you guys understand all these things? And they say, yes. And Jesus says, good. Now go teach other people what you've learned. He says, you guys are like a householder. And everything you guys learn, picture it like a piece of treasure. Every time you learn something new, it's like you got this treasure. And you have this whole storehouse full of treasure. Guess what that treasure is there for? Not to store up. Not to see like, oh, look how much treasure I have. That treasure is there for you to bring it out and to teach other people. And it's the same exact way for every single one of us. All of us are called to go out and to preach the gospel and to teach other people all these things that we've learned here. Everything you guys learn on Thursday nights, everything you guys learn on Saturdays or Sundays, whenever you come to church, think of it as a piece of treasure. God has given you this piece of treasure, and now take that treasure and go show other people what you've learned. Now what's crazy is a lot of us think, well, that's not my job. That's Pastor Pat's job. That's Pastor Jack's job. That's Pastor Bobby's job. No, actually, do you know what a pastor's job is, according to God? It is to teach you so you can go out and teach other people. Listen to how Paul put it in Ephesians 4. Paul says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility, their job, is to equip God's people, you guys, to go out and to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Our job is to teach you guys so you guys can go out and teach other people all these things you guys learned. And think about it. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant idea because there's just a stigma about pastors. People don't really like to talk to pastors. If you're ever in the middle of a conversation and you want the conversation to end abruptly, just tell them you're a pastor and watch how fast they stop talking to you. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's like a magic trick. There are some people that will never speak to a pastor, and there are some people that will never step foot into a church. But guess who has access to those very same people? You do. You do. You have access to those same exact people who will never talk to me. You have, you have access to people who will never step foot in this door. Listen, guys, it is not a mistake that you do life with who you do life with. Do you understand that? It is not a mistake you work with who you work with. It is not a mistake you are friends with who you are friends with. It is not a mistake your kids play t-ball with who they play t-ball with. God has specifically equipped you and strategically placed you exactly where he wants you. Why? Why? So you can go out and you can teach the people that will never come in here. Are we doing it? Are we teaching these people the things we've learned? And what's so crazy about it? Think about it, guys. Honestly, think about it. We get to serve God. The maker of heaven and earth wants to use us. 
wants to give us an opportunity to represent him. How mind-boggling is that? How crazy is that? What an honor. What a privilege. And think about it. It's God's story. It's God's message. It's God giving us the opportunity. It's God giving us the power. All we have to do is step out and trust him and do it. And at the end of all of it, guess what? He's going to reward us for doing it. What? How crazy is that? So, Christian, are you out there teaching other people the things you've learned? Has your Christian walk gotten kind of blah lately? You kind of lost that excitement? Do you want to get it back? Do you want to know when to get it back? Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Put yourself in a situation where you need God to show up, where if God don't show up, you're going to fail. Guess what? That's a scary place, but that's exactly where God wants you to be. And watch what happens to your walk with God. Watch the excitement and the joy and the exuberance. Watch it all start coming back. Put yourself in a situation where you need God to show up and watch what happens. Now, look at the way he ends this section. Look at verse 53. Jesus said this, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So Jesus finishes these parables, he leaves Capernaum, he's in Capernaum at this time, and he goes to Nazareth. Now Nazareth was where he grew up at. Everybody there knew Jesus. And what did Jesus do when he was in Nazareth? He taught in their synagogues. He did exactly what he just told the disciples to go do, right? You guys go teach. Now Jesus went and teach. And look at the response Jesus got when he went and taught. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not the carpenter's son, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. So they rejected him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus shows up, does some miracles there, and first off, they're like, wow, that was amazing. They're astonished. Did you see what he just did? That was awesome. But then they're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Isn't this the same kid that we grew up with? Isn't this the same kid we went to school with? Isn't this the same kid we went to church with? And he is the Messiah? He's doing all these amazing works? And it said he, they rejected him because of that. So that teaches us a couple things. Number one, it teaches that Jesus must have had a pretty normal childhood, right? There are some writings out there, some some. They claim to be biblical writings. They're not specifically the Gospel of Thomas. That says when Jesus was, was a, a little boy, a young boy, he did all kinds of miracles. He rose birds from the dead. He fixed butterflies. did all kinds of stuff. Obviously, I don't think he did, right? Because if he was doing those things when he was young, it wouldn't have been such a shock for these guys here to see him do these things now. So I don't believe that. Also, it teaches us what unbelief can do to the mighty works that God wants to do in us and through us. It says, because of their unbelief, Jesus didn't do many mighty works in Nazareth. Now, obviously, their unbelief was in Jesus being the Messiah. And obviously, unbelievers aren't going to see Jesus do many mighty works. But I even believe unbelief can hinder the mighty works that Jesus wants to do in believers' lives. We just saw that all of us are called to go out 
and to teach other people these things. And I believe one of the main reasons why we don't go out and teach other people is because we don't believe that God could use us to teach someone else. And I'm the most guilty one in this room, for sure, by far. And it's funny, is we'll sit here and we believe things like, you know what, God could speak and galaxies are formed. God can do that. I believe God could do that. I believe God could save my soul. I believe God could take me, a dead person, in my sins and raise me to life. I believe all those things. I believe God could do all those amazing things. But I don't believe God could use me to go teach someone else. You see the humor in that? Isn't that like, come on, are you serious? God can do all of those things. And you know what? When we allow that unbelief to stop us from going out to teach other people, we're not losing our salvation. You're not losing God's love. You're not losing your standing with God. Don't let anybody ever tell you those things. But you know what you are losing? An opportunity to see God do mighty works in you and through you. Again, is your Christian walk kind of, is your Christian walk kind of just going through the motions? Do you want to take it to the next level? One way to do it is get into your word. The next way to do it is, again, step out in faith. Give God an opportunity to use you and watch what he does. And I want all of us in here to think specifically this week, is there someone in your life that God's been placing on your heart? Pray about it. Pray about them and see if God gives you an opportunity to speak up and see if maybe you can teach them some of these things that you guys are learning here at church. Now, it also teaches us what we could expect when we do step out and trust God to use us to teach other people. How did they respond to Jesus when he tried teaching them? They rejected him. How do you think they're going to respond to us when we step out to teach them? The exact same way. Not all the time, but most of the time, guess what? They are going to reject us. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to how Jesus put it. John 15, Jesus said this, Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Of course they're going to reject us. They rejected Jesus. Of course they're going to reject us. Now, the thing is, no one likes rejection. In fact, there are some people, myself included, who will do almost anything to avoid being rejected. But hey, are you willing to walk through it for Jesus? Are you willing to walk through your unbelief? Are you willing to walk through being rejected for the sake of Jesus Christ? And it all comes down to how valuable is Jesus to you? Because if Jesus isn't valuable to you, you're not going to walk through anything, let alone your unbelief or even being rejected for him. But if Jesus is valuable to you, you will walk through anything for him. Not always, not perfectly, but more times than not, you will walk through your unbelief and you will be willing to walk through rejection for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we get to this place where we see this value in Jesus? where we're willing to walk through anything, where we're willing to leave anything behind for him. How do we get to this place? It all comes down to a clearer, more real, deeper understanding of the gospel. When we start to remember who we were before Christ, who we were without Jesus compared to who we are with Jesus, when we remember how we were dead in our sins, headed to hell, lost, without hope, 
dead without Christ compared to who we are now in Christ, alive, a new identity, a new purpose, new power, a new eternal destination. When we start to see who we were compared to who we are, then and only then will we start to see the value in Jesus Christ. Then we will be willing to let go of anything and to walk through anything for Jesus Christ. So, how valuable is Jesus Christ to you? If you're sitting here and you say, you know what, I really don't think he's that valuable to me, you need to get a deeper, more clear understanding of the gospel of who you were before Jesus and who you are now because of Jesus. Now, if you're in here and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and tonight God's tugging on your heart, and for the first time you're starting to see the value in Jesus Christ, I want to kind of help what's going on in your heart right now. I want to give you an opportunity to make that a reality. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. And all you're going to be doing is admitting to God you're a sinner, asking him to forgive you, and ask him to help you to turn from your sins and turn towards him. And if that is you, and you want to make that commitment, just say this prayer. Okay, you don't got to say it out loud. You can say it quietly, but just say this prayer after me. Say this. Say, Father, I've sinned. I've broken your rules. I've broken your law. And I'm sorry. And I know, Lord, there's nothing I can do to make it right. So right now, Father, I ask you, please, come into my life. Be my God. Be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for taking my place upon that cross. Lord, help me to turn from my sins and to turn towards you and to help me to live every day of the rest of my life for your kingdom. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.